0: and now i will slowly walk over this way all right and i've already got all my stuff set up here so hopefully we'll be there and i am going to attempt to stand which may shorten the sermon's length tremendously this morning but um I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to our church family and the ways you serve one another and the ways we are growing and serving him together because it's not not about us that we're here. We're going to talk more about that today. You know, last week I I just touched on Acts chapter 2 and actually I determined through the week I'm going to actually hang out in this passage a little longer than I thought I was. But today, we are going to look again at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, which, no, it's not a Christmas sermon. And I will give you a heads up for the next three or four weeks that we will continue in not Christmas sermons. um, But on Christmas Eve, we will be reading through the uh, Christmas story as well. But it's all about the incarnation, because if Christ had not come, we would not be here now worshiping him. And uh, that is the reason and the purpose in which we, we gather always is to set our hearts and our minds on Him. So uh, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter two, and we will read verses 42 through 47 and really focus on uh, chapter, or verse 42 today. So I invite you to stand as we read God's Word together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as had any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Lord, I, I ask that you teach us today to be devoted to your word. And not just devoted to your word individually, but together. That we would set our hearts and our souls and our minds on your goodness and your truth as you reveal it to us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let, let you in on a secret and how things happen. Along the way, uh, during the week, we put things together. And in a week like Thanksgiving, we put everything together early. I might have had a different slide or a different title for this message. But because last week I kind of did an abbreviated version of Acts chapter 2, I, I called it together because last week is together. T- this week is together again. Uh, but uh, maybe we'll do again, again, again through the weeks. I'm kidding. I'll be more creative than that next week, I promise. But uh, if I was going to title, retitle this message on a slide to put on YouTube or on the screen in front of you, I would probably call it devoted to the word because that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and, I, and I got to thinking about, and if I uh, would uh, just humor me for a minute on this, um, I got to thinking about different kinds of churchgoers, church members, Christians. I wouldn't say necessarily those people are all one and the same. Because I think there are people who just attend church because that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe fewer now than there used to be. But it may be something that you know you feel like you're supposed to out of habit or, or whatever. You may be a church member. You might have put in your uh, your desire to join a part of the church body, you met all of the requirements that the church would have along the way as far as baptism, and and, uh, maybe you were baptized when you were a child, and now you have come and and brought your membership with you here, and we've welcomed you into the fellowship. But really, what it comes down to is, within all of those things, what is a Christ follower? And what it means to be devoted to His Word. And so when we see this picture of the early church, I mean, this is within weeks again of Jesus' ascension. Peter had just laid down basically hellfire and brimstone on the Pharisees. And now they come together and they see that the disciples are doing some really neat things. And really what's happening is Jesus is doing some really cool things through the disciples. But the primary thing that they are focusing on is the apostles' teachings. And what is that? That is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it got me to thinking about different kinds of people who may walk into the doors of the church. And, and, I, and I, I started thinking about maybe that little scrawny guy that doesn't look like they could do much. If you, if you, you, you put them up there, they, they were always the last picked for the football team because they were just there in PE class. Right, but that guy could fly up the rope because he weighed about 50 pounds. Big guys like me might get picked for the football team, but I'm not climbing that rope, right? Or you might have somebody who's just an ordinary Joe-looking person. Somebody who, you know, they may go out and run with their buddies every once in a while, and and then you have the uh, the the strong, well-built person, and then you have The person who is a little too strong and well built, and if you're an NFL fan, I, you know, take it or leave it. But I think of a guy like Aaron Donald, if you know who that is, plays for the Rams. He's number 99 for the Rams. Dude's jacked. I mean, just huge, and he looks like it's uncomfortable to walk. He's so big. And then you get the guy like me. Maybe I'm more the ordinary Joe type. But really what it comes down to is that we have all different kinds of people in the body of Christ. And really it's a reflection on our devotion to the Word. And sometimes we are like that little scrawny guy and we just get barely enough to get along, to get a little bit of something to go into the next day to bring us a little bit of hope, a little bit of encouragement to take the next step. I see that as a little bitty person. Then you have the guy who uh, goes to church. He's a giver. He, he acts out, you know, he does good things. He's a pretty ordinary Joe-looking kind of guy. And then maybe you have the person who comes to every Bible study and then exegetes. And if you know what that word means, this is, you know, it means that you can, decipher every little word, what it means out of the Bible. And I kind of see that as the Aaron Donald kind <clears> of <throat> person who goes to every Bible study, is always devouring the word, but they just get bigger and bigger and bigger in their own muscles, so to speak, and almost become immobile in some ways. And then most of us probably look a lot like me spiritually we give like we should we we may read the bible every day or we may do this or we may do that but we're not really giving it our all and what happens is that maybe you're walking across the lawn and it jumps up and trips you and it breaks your ankle by the way that's what happened and you're not quite ready when that trial comes because you haven't quite put in the work that you needed to beforehand because you didn't anticipate that coming. And I think most of us are probably there with our faith. Yes, we, we look at the scriptures. We may gather together once or twice a week to, to look and, and learn from God's Word. But really, we're just kind of floating along. We don't we're, we're more than the scrawny guy who's just looking for a little nibble here and there. We can read it. We can kind of understand what it says. But we're not really devoted to what it is together. And what happens when you devote uh, yourself to the Word of God is that you end up being more of a, a frankly, I think a, a useful Christian. And what does that mean? That means that we're living out the things that we're learning. That means when when Jesus says that we love one another, we do these things that show that Christ first loves us. And what happens is that if you eat right, which many of us do when we look at the Word, and then you exercise it, you end up looking like a person who can really live out their faith in Christ. If you want to keep the NFL analogy, the picture of that right now, I'm three weeks older than Tom Brady. I don't look like Tom Brady. Allison's thankful I don't, I think. But he is a guy who eats right who lives you know, a healthy lifestyle, who exercises the way he's supposed to, and his body shows it. And he's been able to play quarterback in the National Football League into his mid-40s. And so when we come to that place in our faith, we need to realize that God wants us in our devotion to the Word to both be taking it in and living it out that we can get muscly spiritually and scripturally. We can learn all kinds of things about the Bible. But then that little guy comes in, and this person who's got the big old muscles comes in and, and, and figuratively says, lift 300 pounds. Well, I don't even know where to open the book. And how is that useful to the world around us that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? so there's, there's a balance to it because I think a lot of us are pretty good relationally but we're very weak scripturally we know how to be good to somebody because to some degree I think it's instinctual I mean the golden rule is, is pretty plain do unto others as you would have them do unto you right some people may not know that and I think some Christians don't know that rule. But when we come to the Word of God, He calls us to both know the Word and to live the Word. And when we do that, what happens is that it, second or is it Second Timothy one fifteen? Approved workmen are not ashamed. I want his verse. Is it First Timothy? I forget that one. Anyway, I didn't write it down. That's what I get for doing that. But what we find is that the, the actual believer looks more like somebody on a construction site wearing a hard hat. They're strong, and they know what they're doing. Now how does that happen? It happens as we devote ourselves together to the word of truth. You can study the Bible by yourself and learn lots of things about it. But we are called to live it out and to teach it to others. And one of the ways we do that is we do that within the context of the body of Christ, as the early church did here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now, that has looked as many different ways as there's many different churches And it has lived out in the body of Christ throughout history. The local expression of the body of Christ is just that. It's local. It's going to look different. Even our church looks different than the churches around us. It's one of the reasons we gather together. But we're all called to the same task and the same purpose. is to learn the Word of God and live it out in community. And that community then seeps out from us as we go. So as we look at our personal walk with Christ, you may look at me and say, I sure wish he did this that way. And I know what happens. But the deal is, is that you're not me and I'm not you. And we have all been, as Psalm 30, 139 says, fearfully and wonderfully made. God has created us with, with different talents and abilities and personalities. Coming back to that, in, in, our, in our study this morning in, a, in the youth class, we were talking about the incarnation, Christ the Son. And it says in Colossians chapter 1 that Christ is the head of the church. And if we talk about the body of Christ, you don't go for, far if you don't have a head. And I've heard about a chicken that lived a few months without one, but I don't think it's particularly useful. When you go into a room, what's the usual first thing that you do? You turn on the light so that the eyes, which are inside the head, can see what's around you. Especially if it's a place you don't know very well. And so Christ is the head of the church, He is the head of the body. He is the one that we are attached to and go where He goes. John 15 says, He is the vine, we are the branches. If we remain in Him, and He in us, we will bear much fruit. If we are apart from Him, we can do nothing. So part of being devoted to the, the Apostles' teaching, to the doctrine, to the Word, is gathering together to know what the Word of God says, and how can I live it out together within the body of Christ, and live that out in my life, in my family, in my community, in my workplace, whatever that may be. Wherever God places you, He's called us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not to work for our salvation, but to prove that we are saved. And so as we devote ourselves to the Word of God, that's one of the encouragements I want to drive into our hearts today, is that we need to be gathering together to learn the Word together. And I will say that most of us in here do that, but some of us are lacking. And even those of us who are a part of those times, many times are just mailing it in. It's just the next thing that we're supposed to be doing on the list. But it's very encouraging to me. I know it's very encouraging to your teachers when I hear and see the things that God is doing through you in your lives and in our community. You have more influence as a whole than I will ever have as an individual. Maybe I'm the one that's up here talking about the Word of God every week, and and, and that's what God has called me to do. But you and I have different spheres of influence. You touch more people than I will ever. You talk about your families that you gather with you get the chance to share and live out the love and and tell them about the things that you're learning about Christ through His Word. So we're going to look at a couple more, actually three more verses, probably familiar to you, but let's turn back a few pages into the Gospel of John, and we're going to see what the Word of Christ does for us and in us as we gather. John chapter 17 Verse seventeen, John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So, what does the word of Christ do for us? Well, if you go all the way back to the gospel, or the beginning of the gospel of John, it says, "In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word was with God in the beginning, and the word made its dwelling place among us." your word who sanctifies us who makes us holy who makes it okay for us to come into the presence of god the one whom we celebrate this season that is jesus the son the incarnate he is the one who sanctifies our lives he gave his life so that we would have a have free access before the father To be sanctified is to be cleansed for the purposes of God. And what does God desire from us? He desires our hearts. And the only way we have a clean heart is through the the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that word that became flesh is our truth. So the, the truth, sanctifies us it cleanses us and when we gather together corporately we have a, a corporate cleansing <laughs> when we come before the word we see that we are unworthy in and of ourselves but Jesus makes us worthy because of his sacrifice so the truth sanctifies us in that. but then the the son, who is the agent of salvation, at his ascension, sends his spirit to the church. Romans 12, 1 and 2, another familiar passage to many of you. Hopefully, if it's not, write it down, because this is discipleship. I didn't mark it. I could quote it, but I tend to forget things. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we, because of what Jesus has done for us, we are imperfect can now offer our lives as sacrifices to Him. A sacrifice, at its very definition, is dead. Right? But it says here that we are living sacrifices. Paul says in Philippians, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Loves me and gave himself for me. Christ himself, through the work of his Spirit, offers us the, the chance to serve him as a living sacrifice, to lay down our own will and desires in a way that is holy and acceptable to him. And it says that is our spiritual worship laying down our own preferences before the will of the Father. How does that work out in verse 2? Do not be conformed to this world. We tend to fall in step with the ways of the world, guys. It doesn't take much. All you gotta do is disagree with somebody and you start acting like them. Am I right? You ever watch a news channel? News channel? commentary channel that by testing you may discern what is the will of god that is which is good and acceptable and perfect so in our worship in our sanctification through the word we come to a place where we can understand what is good and acceptable and perfect and that takes place by a choice it's volitional the renewing of our mind means that we are giving ourselves over to Christ and our personal desires we're giving ourselves to him. And what does the word do for us? Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. And yes, I know that it's on the screen too, but I like for you guys to know where I that I know how to find it in my Bible. Colossians chapter 3. How does it flesh out? Verse 16. Colossians, you want some good stuff, go read Colossians. It's like four pages. That's it. You might get a headache because there's a lot there. But what should the Word do in us? Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That looks a lot like church, by the way. John 15, I mentioned that earlier, talks about us abiding in Christ, making our life in Him, living in Him. When you live with somebody, that person changes you. When we live, abide in Christ, when we allow His Word to dwell in us, it will change us because, Hebrews 4, the Word is living and active. And what does it tell us? It tells us what Jesus has done for us and how much God loves us and how much God loves our neighbor. Even that person who drives you crazy. If we start looking at our world the way Christ looks at us, we will see a world transformed. Because we will start to lay down our lives, as it says in Romans 12 that we just read, as sacrifices. How can I live out the love of Christ? Now, each individual has the choice to, to receive that love. The follower of Christ is compelled to tell of his love and to live it out. So God, God's word impacts us in three different ways. It impacts us because it is truth. Because of its truth. When you start reading the word and, and, and giving your life to Christ through study and it it, it changes who you are. It brings a sense of awe and wonder as you continue to read in Acts chapter 2 that we'll come back to. You realize that that was the reason they were in awe, was the word of the Lord at work in them. But it also impacts us because of its grace. We don't deserve the word of the Lord. It is a gift. That is given. And salvation is a gift from the Lord. And mostly, ultimately, how it lives out is it impacts us by its power. Because if you are truly taken by the word of Christ, it will transform you. It will change everything about you. It will change your desires. It will change your thoughts. It will change how you want to live out live your life will change the way you submit to the Lord's will we realize that we're not just here as accidental blobs of matter that just appeared on our birthday but that you have been placed here for such a time as this to impact the world with the love of Jesus but how do we do that? we gather and learn His Word because it sanctifies us, because it strengthens us, because it calls us together to bless Him. So I encourage you, if you're already involved in studying the Word of God, don't just mail it in. You understand what I'm saying with that? All right. I I got it taken care of. I showed up today. Think about your favorite football team. What happens when the quarterback mails it in? Some of you don't care about football. No, you don't like that, Nathan. I'm going to tell you right now. If the quarterback just shows up and goes, hey, I'm here, well, then that Aaron Donald guy, that big defensive lineman, comes and knocks him over, and your team loses. But when we come with purpose, to see how God is going to impact us and change us. There is no limit to how God will change the world through you. And he does it through his church, see. And he sanctifies us together that we might bless his name. John chapter 17 is a prayer of Jesus for unity within the body of Christ with those who would hear his name. So when he says, sanctify them in your truth, in the truth, your word is truth, he's praying that we would be together proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ with singular purpose in seeing lives transformed by the gospel. That is the mystery of what Christ has put us here. So as we come today, are you willing to submit your life to the will and the word of Jesus? you willing to bless him together? Are you willing to commit your life to studying his word together so that we might sharpen, as it says in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another? That we can be a part of that? Sharpening is painful, but it makes us useful. Will we live out the word of Christ? Lord, you're good and you're faithful. I thank you for your hand at work in our world and our community. I thank you for your church and how you guide us. I pray that you would renew the conviction to study your word, to know your will, to grow in your grace. I thank you for so many who have gone before us now who have been faithful to that call. And the reason we know your truth is because they were obedient to that gathering, to being sanctified in your word. And help us to bless your name. I thank you, Father, for for this church family. And I pray that today we would renew our commitment to you, to be in your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we have the opportunity to bless the Lord. The, The altar's open if you have a step of